Welcome to Brazilian Politics, the podcast where three political analysts talk about all things Brazilian politics. This week, we will break down some of the turbulence from last week and reflect on the possible repercussions for this administration and for pension reform. Welcome to Brazilian Politics. I'm Michael Lopez, and I'm joined by my colleagues Lucas and Thiago Aragão. Thank you for joining us once again. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. So we just had one of the most politically turbulent weeks of this young administration. I think it would be helpful for our listeners to break down some of the developments from last week and to give some context on what is behind these events and their consequences for this administration. So first of all, let's start with former President Michel Temer. Former President Temer was arrested And now, just moments ago, this Monday afternoon, we have the information that the rapporteur of the case in the federal court for the second region has determined that Michelle Temer will be released. Can you help break down what happened and what does it mean? Well, Michael, I think looking at the practical consequences, the executive branch and the legislative branch have problems of their own, the lack of dialogue, a uh, very turbulent relationship in recent days with statements being said by both sides, which increase even further the temperature. But I think the main practical consequences uh, are in the relationship between the legislative and the judiciary, who have been fighting uh, sometimes a silent, sometimes a very vocal war in the recent years. The car wash operation has been very aggressive to the political world, leading in arrests, leading in investigations, leading in problems electorally for a lot of the heavy hitters of the Brazilian political system. I think the legislative will try to fight back as they have in the past, and now they have a window of opportunity, mainly because the judiciary branch and the car wash operation, which has been seen in recent years as a, as a divine entity, for the first time, or one of the first times, have been suffering criticisms after the Temer arrest. Many people seen an exaggeration of arresting a former president with no formal indictment or no former trial or... Or, or anything like that. So definitely the legislative branch will try to respond in some way to the, ju to the, to the judiciary branch. Now, there's, there's been some talk about uh, the, the activism of the car wash investigation. Uh, can this Michelle Temer arrest be seen as an example of the political activism of the car wash investigation. And in addition to this, there are reports that uh, this could be motivated by a federal Supreme Court decision regarding electoral crimes and a decision to move electoral crimes to the electoral courts. Are these two things related? Michael, um, it, it is very hard to directly accuse that this is some sort of uh, activism from the judicial branch Uh, towards the political, the politicians in the country. However, the way that this decision was made, the way that this decision uh, advanced, and according to some legal experts, it opens uh, a window of interpretation that given all the political factors that we have seen in Brazil over the previous years in this uh, clash between the judicial branch uh, and politicians, one can, can make a case to accuse the judicial branch of, of activism in this, in this particular issue. However, one thing we can be sure, this uh, enhances even more the type of, of narrative and, and antagonism between the, pol the political world in Brazil, the judicial branch in Brazil, 
society in between um, picked their sides naturally most of the time against the politicians, and this is understood. And overall, it emphasizes even more globally the image that Brazil is still undergoing a nefarious period in which no politician or no political group can be taken uh, seriously in terms of credibility because of how things are developing. And, and I think just to, to finish, I think it's important to mention that this episode of Tamer being arrested just makes the line uh, even uh, clearer between the narrative of the old against the young politics, the new politics. So obviously Bolsonaro has been in parliament for 30 years and has been through uh, several parties, very established parties in Brazil. But the narrative is that he is from the new politics, at least the, the narrative that he's trying to impose uh, in his in his presidency. Thank you for that, Lucas. And, and I thank you for mentioning the old politics versus new politics. That's something I'd like to uh, come back to in, in just a second. But to wrap up this uh, first segment about Michelle Temer's arrest, um, I'd like to hear a little about how this episode affects the plans in the Senate to establish an investigative parliamentary inquiry committee into the judiciary, the, the, the CPI known as Lava Toga. Is it more likely to get off the ground? What's the situation for this investigation committee in the Senate? Michael, I think that, yes, it affects uh, even more. It strengthens the internal narrative inside the Congress of uh, putting this parliamentary investigative committee forward. Um, as we have seen during the week, we've seen people from uh, congressmen from all different parties, including the Workers' Party, criticizing uh, the prison of uh, former President Temer. And why they're doing that? They're doing that first to strengthen their own narrative in relation to what they think it was an injustice in relation to Lula, but also to try to pinpoint that there is a directed target from the uh, judicial branch against politicians. And then, and, and then politicians as a whole should react as they see this as biased behaviors. So yes, it strengthens a lot this point. And I believe that uh, this is a story that will last still a long time and it's not going to be now. We're still going to be reactions from see reactions from both sides. Thank you for that. Now, uh, taking a, a closer look at the complexity of these political relations between the executive and the legislative, uh, last week we had another episode that further complicates this relationship. We had the Speaker of the Lower House, Rodrigo Maia, get into uh, some tension, some disagreements regarding the expected progress of the Minister of Justice's anti-crime proposals, which he sent uh, to Congress as well. The situation was then exacerbated after the son of the president, Carlos Bolsonaro, chimed in on uh, social media. Could you help break down uh, this scenario and this situation for our listeners? Yes, Michael. It's a relationship that has... Uh, growing in, in, in tension and turbulence in the last couple of weeks and reached uh, quite a strong episode last week uh, because first of the arrest of Moreira Franco, former minister Moreira Franco, who has family ties with the president of the house, Rodrigo Maia, and also uh, with Rodrigo Maia not, in the opinion of the government, giving the, the, the deserved uh, uh, priority to the anti-crime package of Justice Minister Sérgio Moro. This has created 
several statements in the press by Bolsonaro and his sons against of what they call the old politics, the Congress, the legislative branch, uh, insinuating, sometimes even very explicitly saying in all the words, that the political world is uh, trying to reach agreements which they will not uh, accept. Uh, President Bolsonaro even mentioned that he will not go down the same road as President Lula and President Temer in the agreements. It's important to mention that neither Lula nor Temer are arrested because of agreements made with with uh, with the Congress, even though Lula was thoroughly investigated in the Mensalão scandal, obviously there was wrongdoing in the horse trading and the pork barreling at that time. It is able, it is possible to negotiate with Congress without getting into uh, wrongdoing and illegality. So the big, the main picture here is: Will the the government negotiate with Congress, uh, or will they use? Their narrative that the population alone and the popularity and this new mindset of the Brazilian population will push uh, pension reform uh, to the to, to, to its to, to its completion. It's 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 quite a long uh, uh, run from the president to 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 think that not negotiating with Congress will mean some success to the pension reform. I think at the end of the day. President Bolsonaro will have to sit down with Maia and the party leaders and start listening to their demands and finding a way to negotiate. Yes, and to complement, I think when when we add this new dimension of uh, messages being sent from one side to the other through social media, it involves actors of an, as part of uh, society as a major part that take side a priori without basically evaluating uh, the entire component of each side. So when the, the president says that he, there is nothing for him to articulate or to negotiate with the Congress because he already sent a proposal there and, and the legislative uh, branch has just to decide and to vote, it gives the impression to, to part of the society that negotiation is bad and that negotiation is only possible through wrongdoings. Um, the problem is, without negotiation, you have only uh, three options. Either you give up, or you impose, uh, or you uh, do wrongdoings. So it should be exactly the opposite. I think that the, the term negotiation makes it even more transparent that the, the president is deciding, is trying to convince the complexity of the pension reform through narrative, through talks. Because we have also to understand that although intrinsically several congressmen will be in favor of the pension reform. Uh, the congressmen, they don't represent necessarily the entire of, of the society. They represent the voters that gave their votes to them. So you find some congressmen within the presidential uh, party that uh, who was elected primarily by the votes of civil servants who are opposed to aspects of the reform or to uh, retired individuals who are also against specific aspects of the reform. So all of this, in order to advance, uh, has to be negotiated because there are several points within the reform that will not necessarily be um, perceived as positive by every member uh, of the allied base. And, and also, Michael, just to, to, to make another point, this delay of the, the government in creating a coalition has resulted not only in a war of narratives and a war of accusations between one branch and the other, but actually practical issues in the Congress itself. If you look at the bills that the, the, the government has introduced and the pieces of legislation that the, the government has introduced in the uh, legislative branch in the past three months, 
non-advanced and you have some very goodwill measures waiting to be voted like for instance uh credit in one billion reais for the for the families of the victims of the brumadinho accident in the valley dam uh, you have the creation of federal institutes of education in amazonas you have obviously the anti-corruption package you have the reduction of bureaucracy for the opening of companies uh, you have the, the bills to combat frauds in the social security benefits. So as you can see, this not only hinders the, 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 the important and controversial issues such as the pension reform, the priorities and controversials like the pension reform, it also impacts the, 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 the minor bills and the smaller, less uh, top-of-the-shelf bills that the government is trying to implement. So the, the, the Congress is sending a very clear signal. If there is no negotiation, the Congress will not advance until there is. Thank you, Lucas. And I think uh, this this sentiment was also echoed by Rodrigo Maia last week when he, uh, first of all, it, it was uh, widely written in the press that Rodrigo Maia was personally offended by some of this uh, this tension, especially with uh, Bolsonaro and and his family, and he went as far as to define Bolsonaro's new politics as not doing anything and then waiting for applause on social media. Um, and in the wake of these statements and in the wake of these press stories, there was talk of Maya temporarily abandoning efforts on behalf of pension reform, an idea that made the market very nervous. So my question is, is this realistic? And if so, what can the government do about it? How much power does Maya really have regarding the government's congressional priorities? Uh, Michael, Maya has some power in terms of first, uh, controlling and defining the agenda, but also he has more experience in articulating than the majority of the congressmen from the allied base of the president. Uh, second, it's still not clear who is the main articulator. We're still even defining uh, the, the terminology of articulation and negotiation given these past days. So given the fact that there, there is no clear articulator or negotiator in the government side, Maya has to play this role until the executive uh, plays a more preeminent role in articulation and uh, adjusting these different perceptions of the same reform. This is his, import uh, his uh, importance right now. Thank you, Thiago. And looking back at last week and the turbulence that was created, I think there was another factor, which was the, the uh, proposal for military re retirement, which uh, arrived in, in Congress and had a, a less than stellar reception. Uh, let's say. Um, how does this military retirement proposal affect the progress of the uh, pension reform proposal for civilians? Michael, the pension reform for the military has a, a cleaner, so to say, path than the big pension reform for the for the other uh, sectors of the, the of society. It's not a constitutional amendment. It's a regular bill of law. That said, it requires uh, a simple majority in Congress, half plus one. It does not require a constitutional majority, which is three-fifths. Uh, but obviously the, 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 the Congress uh, did not like the proposal sent because they felt that it protected a lot the military, uh, the militaries in, in, in the country. I think that the practical result of this will be either two. Either the government will up 
uh, its game in the military reform, proposing a tougher um, uh, set of measures, uh, which I think at this point is being debated, or the the the, the Congress will use the the military. Uh, the argument that the military reform is not as bold as it should and try to water down the pension reform. It will be used as an argument to water down uh, and to give other sectors of society, other corporate parts of society like civil servants, uh, the same kind of of treatment that the military are receiving. Uh, Just to comment on this point that Lucas made, this is a clear uh, indication of lack of dialogue, of lack of negotiation and articulation because... Uh, If the executive had called the leaders of the main allied parties and uh, before the the pension uh, proposal for the military had been presented in the the Congress, perhaps there would have been a conversation about that, of holding a little little bit more, of trying to change the narrative around it because it sets the bar. And naturally, uh, Brazil is a country that is divided within groups of privileges and groups that fight for their privileges, uh, which were historical rights, but sometimes it doesn't match the current reality anymore. So when we set the bar in a way that it's not perceived as ideal between the individuals who must vote the decisions, we can create a domino effect that at the end of the day can affect the other, uh, the rest of the reform. And in the, in the context of these complex political negotiations between the executive and the, the legislative around pension reform, but also around other bills of law, uh, we have a, a further complicating factor. We had two uh, polls released last week, one by Xispe uh, Pespi and one by Ibope, and they both show the same trend. They show that Bolsonaro's approval rating is declining. How does this affect negotiations around pension reform? How does it affect the relationship between the legislative and the executive? Michael, it's obvious that a, a good popularity is always a, a upper hand in a negotiation with Congress, but it's not uh, everything. Uh, we can uh, just remember Michel Temer, who had 6% approval. And he was able to approve a labor reform. He was able to approve other pieces of legislation, almost approved the pension reform, which didn't go through because of the JBS scandal. Uh, but I do think that uh, the government should rethink uh, its way of, of, of communicating and negotiating with sectors of society at this point uh, because of the results of the, um, of the popularity poll. I do not think that it's something that is uh, such a huge issue at this point, especially because those that... Uh, thought that he was doing a good job. The 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 15% that he lost in the good, great uh, evaluation of the government did not mig- migrate to the ones that think that he's doing a poor job. He went to the um, middle tier and regular. Um, but today, two-thirds of the population either think that he's doing a good job or a regular job. So it's a, still a comfortable situation, but it does uh, pose uh, a threat in the future. The government's is is in a situation where most controversies and most problems that this government has gone through in the beginning of the of its administration are created by themselves it's not created by the opposition or created by external factors they're throwing the banana peel ahead for themselves to to slip on them and fall it's it's something that they have to rethink uh their narrative uh i think there is still time to 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 keep the popularity 
somewhat intact and there's still time to approve a pension reform. This is something for uh, October to be approved, but the government has to immediately stop uh, creating problems for itself. It has to become much more rational. It has to treat Congress as the way that it is, not the way that it should be. Yes, uh, the, the popularity is an indicator. Of course, the, the president should not um, give up his convictions and some of his views because popularity is low, just like he should not get too overexcited and act beyond his powers when popularity is high. But what we also have to take in consideration is that the speed in which information is delivered by the, the government to society, particularly through social medias, also increase, increases the speed of re-evaluation of what people like and dislike. So it is possible for a tweet in the morning have a positive impact. And in that particular moment, the popularity could rise a little bit. And, and, and later in the afternoon, something, uh, a negative one puts everything down. So this speed in which uh, uh, popularity is perceived by, by society can be a trap in evaluating whether the president is doing something good or something bad. Now, the, the, the problem also is that um, the excessive informality of communication gives some, some uh, lack of, of direction for many of it, the individuals that uh, voted for this administration, not because they were necessarily in love with President Bolsonaro, but because they were against the Workers' Party doing the campaign. And they tend to look at the administration now with a more critical look. And this more critical look tends to, to always uh, range between neutrality and a neutral negative, unless the government actually is able to, to uh, advance in the agendas that are perceived as more uh, urgent. Thank you, Thiago, and thank you, Lucas, for your analysis. Um, we have a, a bit of a piece of good news uh, this Monday morning. We have reports that in a meeting with his inner circle, President Bolsonaro asked for efforts along two main lines of action. And I think uh, we've, we've talked about these in detail. The first is a focus on pension reform and the pension reform proposal and its progress in the lower house. And the second is just a general peace building effort with the lower house. Uh, we will be back next week to discuss the consequences of these efforts. I want to thank Lucas and Thiago for taking part in this podcast, and I especially want to thank our listeners. We will be back next week with a little more on Brazilian politics. Thank you. 